What's up, everybody? I'm Candace Kelly, and welcome to Mental Cement, the show where we talk to outstanding people to find out how we can go from ordinary to extraordinary in business and in life. Today's guest is the founder of JHG Financial Advisors, where they focus on estate planning, retirement planning, and overall wealth management. Now, if you've ever struggled with money, this is the episode for you, because our guest, Mr. Judson G, is going to talk all about three habits that wealthy people do that you can employ in your own financial life. And if you ever wanted to know, what makes all those rich people different than me? Well, he's going to explain how the rich use their money and how you can be smart with your own finances in order to get ahead. So enjoy this week's episode. Mr. G, welcome to the Mental Summit Podcast. Thanks for having me, Candice. It's nice to be here with you. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit today about building a financial blueprint. Um, so talk a little bit about what you do and how your work with wealth management can help someone build their own financial blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely what we do here is, you know, help, uh, help our clients kind of achieve their goals and, you know, define success for them. And of course, I'm a financial planner, so that is financial related. Whether it's, you know, trying to get a, a child to the college of their choice or not outlive your money in retirement or make sure that you protect your family if something should happen to you, whether it's, uh, you know, insurance or disability or long-term care. Um, so, you know, we, we really try to, you know, bring clients in and, and try to find out what those specific goals are. You know, some, are just starting out, so they have, you know, much simpler goals per se. Um, some are well along the way, and they really need a true blueprint. So we do financial plans for people, um, and then some are very specific to, uh, you know, one set goal again: college tuition funding or uh, retirement planning or estate planning that type of thing. So let's imagine that we have someone who is just starting out. Um, They have maybe their first job out of college. They're making some income, just kind of finished up paying some loans. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think would be a good course of action for them in terms of building wealth? So I think, you know, um, I came up with a strategy that I I really like to employ. And it's really centered around short-term needs and, and longer term needs. So, you know, our, our treasury calls our money supply M1, M2, and M3. And M1 is short term deposits. Um, so you're checking your savings account. And unfortunately, you know, we, we can't really help our clients with that. Um, because that is, is what you need to pay your, your mortgage your insurance, your groceries, your gas, and that money can't fluctuate at all. That really has to be very static. And therefore, we just have to use a bank account, right? Um, these days, because the Fed has kept rates artificially low, we can't make a lot of money with that, right? But we have to, again, we have to have that steady. It, it can't fluctuate when you've got that bills that's coming due every single month, right? But then you've got um, things like I call your M2 account, which would be your you know, your intermediate term savings, your kind of your two to five year money. Um, and 
that we want to definitely try to beat inflation. You know, um, inflation's running around 2% these days. So when you and I go to the voting booth, for instance, um, we vote on things like school bonds, road bonds, and those are issued by the state or the, the county or the city. And uh, those have a really good yield on them. Municipal bonds is what they're called. And those have a really good yield. And, and not only that, but they are tax-free, both federal and state. Um, so that's an example of an M2 type of investment. Um, so I'd want them to, you know, start thinking about, you know, let's not just, uh, you know, save for today. We need to start looking at their intermediate term savings. And then, of course, your M3 would be anything past five years longer term. So for someone young, you know, one of the best accounts that's available to us is a Roth IRA. And so the money that goes into the Roth IRA is actually after-tax money. So unlike a 401k or a deductible IRA, we don't get a, a today benefit from the tax scenario. It's all about tomorrow. And so the money goes in, you can invest it how you like it, whether that's in equities or bonds or other types of investments. But over time, uh, we want that to grow market type returns. So we're looking for that, you know, eight to nine percent potential. And the younger you are, the more aggressive that you should be. So a Roth IRA is a great tool or account the IRS allows us to save money in. And it's long-term. And then when we take it out, Candace, that's actually 100% tax-free. Because we've already paid the taxes on the front side. And then you let that grow for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And then we get to take that out. And unlike a 401k or a traditional IRA, that's going to be taxed as income in the future. Roth IRA would not be. You know, of course, you know, as you said, maybe this person's just starting out with their job. And it's tough. I mean, I can remember myself, you know, having gone to UNCC and graduated in economics, I wasn't really thinking about what was going to happen with me at, say, age 50 or 60, etc. So if your company has a 401k, then you definitely should take advantage of that. Because one, you get a tax advantage on the front side. It's a pre-tax contribution. And then also a great tax deferred for life. So we don't have to pay taxes while it's growing. And then, of course, we've got a nest egg to kind of meet some of those goals to travel or, uh, you know, do the things that, that you want to do when you aren't working anymore, right? So that's probably a good blueprint for someone kind of young starting out. You know, think about, you know, uh, again, what you've got is a static, you know, cost uh, and keep, you know, three to six months of uh, cash on hand. So if something does happen, you know, you, you do get laid off or uh, you decide you want to go in a different direction. You know, maybe that wasn't your, your passion, your first job. Uh, and then start saving for those intermediate term goals like buying a new car or, you know, uh, HVACs break down on houses and those those things that, you know, you, you don't normally think about having to write a check, you know, for thousands of dollars. And then, of course, the longer term, you know, start putting money away that is going to grow tax advantage in some way. I'd love to talk a little bit about um, rich habits um, and habits of the wealthy, the way that they think about money a little bit differently. Um, talk a little bit about the difference between saving and investing and some of the other habits that wealthy people use with their money mm -hmm. that 
average citizens might not think about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it was it was brought to my attention a long time ago when I was you know learning about investments and things that, you know, um, when you invest in a bond or a CD, you're a loaner. OK, when you invest into an equity, um, you're an owner. All right. So when you give your money to the bank, for instance, then, you know, they're basically just kind of holding your money. You're loaning them that money. And for them being able to deposit that and then use it for other things like mortgages and, and what they use for their investment results, um, you're really just loaning your money and they're offering you a set interest rate. When you invest in stocks or mutual funds that are in stocks and equities, then you become an owner in a company. When you buy Apple stock, you actually uh, make a decision on who's going to be you know, the president or the chief executive officer or the treasurer, et cetera. And therefore we take on more risk for that and more volatility, but you also, you know, are looking for that better return over time. So really, you know, as you, as you become, um, you know, more financially successful, you know, you'll have additional funds and you want to become an owner of something, whether it's owner in your business whether it's an owner in the, in the stock of a business. And then we, we want better returns when we do that, right? We don't want to just put our money in the bank and get a quarter of a percent these days, right? That's not even going to, you know, uh, outpace inflation when it's running it too. Um, now, when you, when you get rich, so to speak, you know, it, some of that starts to go out the door. You might think that, you know, Someone that's got a lot of money is willing to take a lot of risk. Not necessarily true because once you build, you know, your, your assets up, you really are thinking about protecting them. Again, that doesn't mean that you're going to just be a loaner to a bank and, and have a bank account, but those particular clients are not really necessarily looking to knock the cover off the ball, you know, to get hit a home run all the time. Um, they want to, they want to keep that, that money that they built up. So they probably want to be a little bit more conservative than someone that, you know, is just getting in to the markets and it's got, you know, 20 or 30, 40 years to let that money grow and can afford to take, you know, the, the road humps along the way with it. What would you say to someone who feels like they don't make enough money to save or that, um, you know, the stock market is too volatile or they don't know enough about finances to hire a planner. Do you think mm-hmm. it's important that people are financially literate? Well, I think it's an extremely important that people are financially literate. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, one, the first part of your question is probably more about budgeting. You know, one of the reasons that 401ks work so well is that we sign up for the 401k and of course they have what I like to call the free money. They match. Most 401ks will match or a simple IRA, et cetera. And so that is what's very alluring, I think, to people is, oh yeah, if I put in you know, 6%, they're going to match three or they're going to match 6% dollar for dollar. Um, but I think, you know, what they really need to continue to focus on is the fact that, you know, uh, they're putting it into their budget. They're saying, look, I'd like to uh, defer on a pre-tax basis. Again, we get a benefit today. 
and and therefore that might equal a thousand dollars per month. And once that starts to automatically get to put into that account, then you just learn to deal with it, right? You know, you're like, okay, great. I was making four thousand, um, but I've decided to put away a thousand dollars for my retirement, and so now I know I'm working with three thousand. And you know, as human beings, we we learn to adapt. And so I think that you know, someone might say, and I heard that a lot, Candace, in, in the first part of my career, because. You know, when you get out of college, who are some of the people that you think might, you know, you could go to easily and, and talk to? Well, it's probably people, your peers, who you know. And so you go to them, they're like, well, Judd, gosh, I'd like to, you know, start with $5,000, you know, or something like that. Well, my question to them is, how are you going to get to $5,000 if you start putting it away into something that you can't really touch, you know? Whether that's an investment that's not in your 401k, but once remove it from your bank account, because once you start investing into, say, a mutual fund or something on a regular basis, maybe you decide 50 or $100 is within your budget, then you put it into there and then it becomes out of your sight. If you put it in your bank account and every time you go to your ATM or you log on, you're like, oh, great, you know, I just got paid. I've got that additional money. And if you're like me, I can find a home for that money all the time. So it's all about budgeting. And so what you need to do is find out, you know, okay, what are my monthly expenses? You know, and then what is my, my fund money too, right? You know, I don't ever want to ruin my client's personal life and take every dime that they have and put it into investments. Um, that would only be self-serving, right? So uh, I want to make sure that, you know, they're saying, okay, what is my, what is my fixed cost? What are my fund costs? And then what's that additional money that I can put away? And I don't care if it's $25, $50 a month, but you got to start that somewhere. You've got to start it. You got to get it out of your site, out of your bank account and get it into, you know, something that might be, you know, moderate, uh, in, in its growth level or, or something more growthier if you're willing to take on that type of risk. And, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you, you put the goal and the time frame on each one of those. So M1, M2, M3. So those are all really objectives based off of time. And then, uh, so I think that's important to really build it into your budget and just start doing it like the old Nike, you know, commercial, just do it. Right. So I think that that's, that's really important. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your advice today. Um, before we go, if are you on social media at all? If anyone wanted to connect with you or online? Yeah, absolutely. So um, JHG Financial, uh, we have a website, jhgfinancial.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter. So follow me uh, at JHG Financial. And of course, we're on LinkedIn as well. I haven't done the Instagram thing as of yet, but we're, we're thinking about it for sure. Um <laughs> That, that apparently is the popular one, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, before we go, our final question I love to ask my guests, if you could boil down everything you stand for, all of your philosophies into one phrase, what would that be? You know, I think that it is, success is not always about, you know, financial success. It is about adding value to your community. And therefore, 
a very wise person said to me a long time ago, my grandmother, she said, Judd, you know, for you, it's going to be easy to cut a check and give to a charity. I want you to tithe. I want you to do that. But really, roll up your sleeves and give back of yourself. You know, uh, go out there and build a house for Habitat or get involved. I'm involved with Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing. We help disabled veterans through the aspects of uh, fly fishing, therapeutic aspects of fly fishing. So I think, you know, you don't have to be financially successful to state that you are successful. I think that you want to add value to your community. And my grandmother was right. That's going to come back to you tenfold. I love that. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me on.